it's um it's good to be back hey <laughs> welcome back does it mean that much of a celebration do you think well, it's this it's the beginning of our season three. season three yeah uh, i think do you know it was weird because um the notification came up on facebook this morning that we started season two like we released the episode of season two this time last year well on the date we're recording the 30th, was it the eighth yeah it came up on my facebook notification. i thought dark tower was this year no, Dark Tower was last year. What? Yeah. Oh, no way. So we did Dark Tower this time. Uh, we released it this time last year, as I say, recording of this episode, 30th of the 8th. Uh-huh. Um, so we're si- starting season three yeah. at the exact same time we started season two. So it seems to That's be- really cool. Yeah, it's an end of August thing. I mean, it's all arbitrary because we're releasing the episodes. That was what I was going to say, is that it's <coughs> arbitrary because, yeah, we're, we just put out the last episode of season two. The new episode's <laughs> good. This episode's going to come out at the time an episode usually would come yeah. out. But I think it's more of like a... I feel like it's more a clear our minds yeah. kind of thing, isn't it? It's like a... Because summer was quite, ended up being quite busy and it was hard to record. And even when we kind of did have time to record, sometimes it was just so goddamn nice outside. It's like, do we want to be sitting inside watching a movie? We do live in Scotland. This doesn't happen that often. <laughs> but in winter, we're indoors anyway. Yeah, You know, I mean, it's like in winter, it's like this is like an awesome thing that we do it's fun and it's like cool that you know we're we're inside anyway so you know i mean i'm trying to make that not sound as like blasé as it's it's meant (laughs) to be like a positive thing because it's the same with like i play i play D &D and we kind of there was lots of chunks of summer where we kind of just stopped that because it's too nice to be sat inside all night you Mm. know i mean when you live here and that doesn't happen that regularly but um, but we're back now. We're back, baby. Regularly, we got a good. Well, I have a good few movies that I want to talk about. I I do in too. the next few months till next August. Yeah. Or next, maybe we should just take summers off. <laughs> right, maybe, we should, maybe we should have a break over summer. Maybe we should have like yeah, like a two month. Even if we missed one or two episodes, that wouldn't be that. It's much not a loss. Yeah, is the thing. Yeah. And then we could refresh our batteries and come back at it new. Yeah. When it's cooler. It's very um, cool. I think that might maybe, but you know what? That's a whole nother year away. Yeah. It's a whole nother bloody season. Oh, well, we, the next, we've got to go through three seasons, as in <laughs> the seasons have to change <laughs> for us to get back to this point. Well, welcome to season three. Welcome to season three, and also, is it autumn yet? Is it classed as autumn now? I think autumn is the twenty-first. Is it the twenty-first of September? All right, still a while. And when's no, Brexit? It's the 21st of <laughs> August, actually. Maybe it is when, uh, autumn already. Awesome. June, July. Let's just say, let's, you know uh, what, fresh start. Um, so I think this this time, I think the, the plan is to, I think throughout, because we've gone through changes. The show yeah. genuinely has went through, because season one, we tried to do the whole one person attacks film, one person defends film. <clears throat> we realized kind of doing that didn't lead to the most genuine of conversations yeah so we thought right well let's just watch movies that we want to watch and we'll you know we'll just talk about them but then i think we started to get into a little bit of trap of just talking about movies that everybody talks about so it was like well we want to start getting a bit different Hmm. so i think we kind of started plucking out some some weirder ones we paprika is still like a favorite of mine yeah as much as we don't talk about it irreversible that episode is brilliant. Yeah. Like, or, or is it, I, I think that's probably the episode I'm like, 
I think about the most in terms of the stuff we've recorded. That changed us. So it kind of led to that. And then I think this season, the plan is to kind of <coughs> hone in on not necessarily weirder stuff, but just kind of stuff that we just want to see that we might mm. not necessarily like watch by ourselves or, you know, just strange things that we hear about, strange movies we hear about. And I think it's going to be fun. We're just going to keep talking about movies. That's all we do. Yeah. It's always good fun. Speaking of which. Hello. It took a while. Hello. But I finally watched your favourite film of 2000 and the last 2000. 2017 is the one. Uh, I watched Brigsby Bear. Brigsby Bear. Fucking it, love Brigsby Bear. Yeah. I I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, it's weird because I mentioned it in our episode where we went over the films of 2017. And I talked about Brigsby Bear. And I, I feel like it's a weird, almost a weird choice for my film of the year because I do see some of its weirder stylistic, not faults, but cliches. Mm-hmm. There's, it's very much feels like it's trying almost too hard to be like a quirky Sundance film. But Yeah, there is an, an element of that. Yeah, I think but that. there's something so endearing about that film mm. that I, it just keeps... Put, like I, It pushed through and I was just like so in love with the film by the end of it. It's... It's 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 odd in the sense of like in the context of the film it seems to be trying to put a spin a positive spin on this person's childhood abduction. Yeah. <laughs> Which right out the bat is like obviously that's not the kind of central premise of the film but like that's an odd premise to try and sell your movie on. I say if you Cuz uh... if you notice I don't know if you noticed but none of the marketing material mentions that aspect of no, it. No. It all says yeah. that he's obsessed with this TV show. A TV show that, you know, is cancelled or stops being made or something like that. Nothing ever... Because I feel like it'd be too complicated to address that in the marketing. I don't know if you saw the original trailer for it. But, like, the original trailer is only the first ten minutes of the hmm. movie. It makes it look completely different to what you actually get when you watch the film. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, I think is interesting because, I, like I said, I think it'd be really hard to encourage people to come see your movie when it's almost trying to put like a positive spin on this person's childhood abduction um it's very surreal there are there are a lot of kind of i mean it's a comedy but there are there are a lot of sort of uh you have to extend your disbelief yeah. on quite a few oh, things like, you know? yeah. the, the whole central premise of like his abductor who played by mark hamill creates a show to sort of it's to sort of Keep I could him, t- if it's to educate him it's or to keep educate him, him almost almost hypnotize him almost to brainwash him but almost as well to educate him in like um non-directly yeah um but like it's see you you watch it and even throughout the whole film I'm like it's kind of weird that he would go and make a whole children's TV show mm. it's very elaborate way to it's uh, extremely to elaborate. brainwash this child you abduct um it, it almost seems like that there's much simpler ways yeah but like it's for the premise of the film you almost just buy it and then you're just sold on <sighs> yeah, it. yeah it's definitely one of those ones where you know if you start to br- if you start to break it down yeah it does kind of fall apart but like you do you do have to extend your my life love- sorry yeah my love of sorry my love of brigsby bear is visceral i would say it's like so it's so strange it shouldn't it almost shouldn't work yeah um it does almost feel there's parts of it that do feel like a long kind of snl type skit yeah um but no i really enjoyed it i thought it was i i want i don't want to talk to you about um because i think it does a 
and maybe Ready Player One isn't trying to do this. Maybe I think I maybe put too much onto what I wanted Ready Player One to do, but I feel like this does a better job at capturing that like obsessive fandom nature mm. of certain subcultures than kind of Ready Player One did. Yeah, I can get that. Um, get that because obviously Ready Player One is a lot about <coughs> nostalgia mm. and. Um, you know, living kind of vicariously through the things that you love. Yeah. But I just thought, I thought Brigsby Bear did a much better job of that, but I guess that is the kind of focus, whereas Ready Player One has other dumb things that it's dealing yeah. with. So Ready Player One is not as self-aware of that, mm. I think. Like, it doesn't, it almost doesn't decide that being in that sort of self-referential, um, as you say, living vicariously through the things you love culture as a bad thing. Uh, at all no hint of it being a bad thing where Briggs beware it ultimately goes this is an okay healthy thing even if it's fundamentally like yeah like it, there's people who tell the character he shouldn't be so obsessed with mm. this bear it was never it was a never a real show or anything but like the and the film has that awareness of like how far he should take this obsession with this bear but um, at the end of the day it does have nice things to say about geekdom and I do think though that Brigsby bear Sorry, I feel like this isn't the movie we're going to be talking about, but we are kind of getting into spoiler territory. But um, I, I, I feel like the end of the movie, though, surely is him moving on from that. Hmm. Like, he kills Brigsby Bear, in a yeah. sense, in order to try and move on to something else in his life. Um, which I think... I think is a good message because I think if, if you know, if the thing you define your life by is Star Wars, you're probably not a healthy individual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't necessarily, like, I do, I do think, I do think it, 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 it has a message of like, that those kind of things can bring you together. Mm. But I do think the ending is trying to say, you should distance yourself from those things and try and become your own person rather than relying on a TV show or a video game mm. or a movie or book or whatever it is you're into speedboat brand to you know define your personality over yeah no i i absolutely agree with that yeah I, that's what i'm saying it's more self-aware than ready player yeah one. yeah yeah because yeah. ready player one the the best message they could come up with was don't play video games on tuesdays and thursdays <laughs> what if those are my only days off <laughs> yeah what if i work every other day except tuesday and thursday what about that steven <laughs> Yeah, I really hated Ready Player One, but let's not let's not bring that up. We'll talk about that in our year in review. Year in review. When we get that's to the... coming up. That'll be coming up soon. Yeah, Jesus. because time is a fucking human construct, and it's just racing <laughs> by. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that because oh boy, I have a lot to say. I almost feel like I need to revisit that movie in order to like convey all my thoughts yeah. in a way that doesn't just come off as like the mad ramblings of a. Man who has put too much time and effort into t- explaining to people why Ready Player One is terrible and you shouldn't see it. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, Danny. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're back. We're we're doing the thing. Do you want to bounce us off? What's up, people of Pimpleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. Season 3. Season 3. <laughs> I'm your host, Danny. Series? Season. If we're Se- British. Is I, it season in Britain? I feel like maybe the big difference between season and series... Um, is that Americans have a, like a lot more episodes. Yeah. And we are a bit like... So there's season in America. We're yeah. series, aren't we? Yeah. 
series series three. two of the office yeah, yeah. yeah. comes yeah <clears throat> um what's up people <laughs> welcome to second opinion series three i'm your host danny jones and with me man at the back of the talking heads band scott morrison i would love to be in the talking heads that'd be so good um you're sick i am but I'm in doing the a very head. Good job. <laughs> I liked it, Reverse. Gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> that whole podcast was a lie. Um, Just wanted to seem normal. You're sick, but you'll you'll pull through. I'm pulling. You through. seem to be doing okay. Yeah. We had some galaxy counters earlier. Yeah. And you opened them and you said you can have as many as you like, but you have to take them all now because I don't want to pass on my germs to you. I'm a very nice man. That was a nice thing you did. Yeah, I appreciate it, and I took a lot of yeah. galaxy candies. No, you took other the... chocolates are available. You'd have uh. taken what I you'd have probably taken if I'd kept offering them. Yeah, but because I, I would have just kept fucking. Yeah, yeah, but instead of keep offering them when my hand my germy hand keeps going in the yeah. bag, I thought, hey, up top, take as many as you like. Well, it was good of you, Danny. I really appreciated it. Um, so we 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 came back, <clears throat> we came out the gate strong. We had intended to watch wired yeah but finding a copy of wired is incredibly difficult so we kind of just had to jump up the list <laughs> i think we are gonna we're still gonna do why at some point we just need we to just find a way to def- watch yeah. a decent copy of it the only copy we can find so far of it is on youtube and it has a horrible hiss noise in the background which i was like i'm not watching a two-hour movie with that in the background like i'll go insane <laughs> um but yeah so we 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 jumped up the we jumped up the bloody list and we went. We 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 watched True Stories. True Stories, not to be confused with True Story, the James Franco movie, the James Franco and Jonah Hill film. I didn't like that, but I couldn't tell you why. Yeah, it's very. I've I forgotten. I think that's the prop why we mm. didn't like it because it wasn't very memorable. I think it was that there wasn't really actually much of a story. I remember Jonah Hill and James Franco were both good in it, but I don't remember why it's an how. interesting setup but i felt like there was no payoff at the end of the day it's I like okay well whatever he's the I don't guy, remember the the guy might be the, well it's like he what is it he says that he he pretends to be this journalist he says that he, the, the, the guy gets arrested and he he says his name is such and such which is the name of a journalist oh and the journalist comes to interview him but then nothing happens yeah but they're good. They're just they're just no script. There's no mm. real solid script. But again, I don't remember. Like I've seen it once, which was in the cinema, like what 2012, 2013, what something is like that. Jonah Hill right now. How he's so skinny right now. Is he? It's I surreal. Feel like he alternates. I mean, I don't keep up. Have you seen the trailer for the one he's doing with Emma Stone on Netflix? No. No, it looks really good. I'm learning like, so much right now. But like, um, I watched the trailer and like I knew it was gonna be with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, and then it cuts to Jonah Hill, and it, even though I knew it was a film with Jonah Hill and he's in it, I yeah. looked at him and I was like. It took me a second to go, oh my god, that's Jonah Hill! What the hell? He looks so different. That's actually a really good segue, because that happened in this movie right. that we're going to talk yeah. about. True Stories. So True Stories is um, directed by, written by and directed by David Byrne of Talking Heads fame. This is apparently the first movie he directed. Does um, he have more? Apparently so. Ooh, this could be a reoccurring segment for Second Opinion. Um, I guess the, the best way to describe... <coughs> There isn't really a plot, is there? The no. film is kind of set. The film is set in a kind of town in Texas, and um, it's almost like an ode to just the people of the, this town. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it, it kind of, 
the town is about to celebrate some kind of festival, hmm. some kind of centennial. It's the celebration it? of specialness. That was it, the celebration of specialness. Or in relation to, to, as you were talking about Jonah Hill earlier, the person that's in this film that's almost un, kind of unrecognisable is John Goodman. Yeah, which I clocked as he was talking. I was like, that's that's John Goodman. And I was like, I don't know if Danny's noticed yet. I feel like Danny would have said something by now. Ah, well, I, I guess... It's weird because he's got such a distinctive voice, but when you when you introduce him, he is all covered up and stuff, and it's a long shot. Yeah, he's in. Yeah. So I, if it, he's in like a like yeah. a jumpsuit, he's like in a, like a like a radiation suit, yeah. like, and then he's he's looking through a window, and it's like a long shot of him. Like he's got such a distinctive voice that you should just recognize him from his voice, although it's not quite as um, it's what I don't think his voice is quite as graveled as you know John yeah. Goodman to be. Um and yeah, so I guess it, yeah. So it's, but as soon as you said it, it suddenly just it just clicked, and I was like, "Oh my god, so it is!" Yeah, it's crazy. I think we we, I, we ran some numbers, and I think he was thirty six, no thirty three. Yeah, I think, yeah, in when he's filming when he's in that, that is the youngest we've ever seen John Goodman. Yeah, I think because we looked up his filmography prior to that, or before that. Prior? Prior's good. Prior was good. Yeah. Should stick to my guns. Yeah. Prior to when I fucked that up. Um yeah, we, we hadn't seen anything that you'd done before this. No. The Revenge of the Nerds is a film that I hear a lot of people talking about. Yeah, I've not I've never seen it, mm. but maybe we could watch that sometime. Maybe we should. Um but yeah, it's bizarre to see he he I still think John Goodman's a pretty pretty handsome dude. He but like yeah. he is ridiculously handsome in that movie. Ah, right. he's so much younger. Yeah. I I think we should just briefly talk about how John Goodman just feels like one of the most underrated actors of all time. Mostly because he doesn't star in many things. Yeah. But every time he comes well, up that, in something he's yeah. just good and charismatic. I think that's the thing is that he more often tends to kind of be side character or someone who pops up in mm. not I wouldn't say a cameo but like someone who pops up in a relatively small role. Like, I read even article. though he's this kind of brilliant yeah. actor. Obviously, he had, what is it, Roseanne, which yeah. I've never watched. but I Even then, he's more of a supporting cast, because obviously the title character is Roseanne. So. Yeah, but he's the husband, isn't he? So he's yeah. like the secondary char- main character. Yeah, I've never actually watched Roseanne. Neither have I. All I know is that she's a racist and it's <laughs> not. And apparently they're going to kill her off in the next season, so amazing. Like, the, the show's going to come back without her and they're going to be like, she's dead, she died. What would you call it then? John Goodman. <laughs> I'm sold. John Goodman's dead Roseanne. <laughs> um, he's, I read an article. None of us are racist. <laughs> this is a- That's what we're trying to get across. Yeah. Um, I read an article about, it was quite a few years ago now, about John Goodman being the most successful supporting actor. And that like, he has so many films where as the supporting actor, they've done good as well. He's just a, he's underrated. I, get, I don't think he's an Oscar winner yet, is he? Oh, that's a big, I don't know. Big question. What was the movie where he like he played like a guy who worked in an office and he had a baseball bat? Was that Columbo? No. Uh, what was the movie with Brian Cranston where he played the writer? Oh, that was um, Gum. That's the one blacklisted. Yeah, Gumbo. What? Gumbo. It's something like that. Trum- Trumbo. Trumbo. That's it. Was that it? <laughs> yeah, because they're the writers who like have communist sympathies yes, and yes, then yes, are blacklisted. Yes. And, and there's a scene in that where he like 
beats up break like he destroys an office with a baseball bat in there yeah because it's because uh he like directs exploitation films and maybe porn films or at least sexual exploitation films as well and uh they they try to this high up person tries to come and convince him not to hire brian cranston's character because he has communist sympathy and he's just like do you think i give a damn about that sort yeah. of stuff and then yeah. he just starts smashing up his own <laughs> office to try and frighten the guy away and it was the best scene i would say hi I, um, his his line that I will always quote, even though I very I don't often think of the film as much. I always think of John Goodman's line is, um, "Argo, fuck yourself." Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah, Christ, he's in that as well, isn't he? Um, but yeah. So outside of that kind of setup, there isn't there isn't really a plot to this movie. There isn't there like is a structure. There's almost there? like strings of subplots yeah. that kind of keep it going, like John Goodman's subplot. Well, he kind of has two. He has one where he's he's trying to find a wife. Mm-hmm. He's trying to find love, uh, and also he's preparing for a music um, thing he's going to yep. do at the end. <coughs> um, at the show, at, at the, the at, at the, the celebration of specialness. There is the concert at the end of the celebration of specialness. Yeah. That's he's preparing for that, and that's kind of his two stories. Because mm-hmm. when the film started, I said to you. I think this is going to be a lot like Slackers, the the Linklater movie. I thought it was going to kind of be, you know, because it's set in a town in Texas. Yeah. I'm pretty sure as well, isn't it? Yeah, Linklater's um, he's Texan. Yeah, uh, I I I and you know, obviously Slackers kind of just goes from person to person and just follows them for a little bit, and then and I kind of thought it was going to be that, but it's really nothing like that at all. Yeah, it's it's so, but so like. The, the film kind of jumps between musical numbers. Yeah, it's kind of a musical. Original songs like that were kind of written by the talking heads. Then you've got scenes where David Byrne is talking directly to the camera about kind of just day-to-day life things. Like a pseudo-documentary. Yeah, where he's, he, you know, he's walking around and he's talking about uh, shopping hmm. or he's talking about, uh, you know, a new... Uh, spot of houses being built motorways motorways and something that (coughs) I couldn't get to grips with is like I couldn't tell if the film was being genuine or if it was being ironic see I was wondering this as well because this film has a lot to say about like capitalism and capitalist society I Mm -hmm. feel like that's where this film is like its talking point is mm-hmm. it because it has a whole segment in a shopping mall there's like a whole weird musical segment where this woman who's in bed all the time is flipping through channels and basically just watching clips of watching adverts. an advert yeah which turns into a music video Aye, and at the end john goodman has an advert advertising himself uh-huh. as um needing a wife and so there's a lot and he as i say he talked about um, motorways and like this industrialization in relation to capital- capitalism and I was like very aware of all this capitalism industry like there's like in, in the beginning there's like the work line where they're talking about microchips and industries mm. and stuff like that um, but I will admit the thing that really caught me was like is it anti-capitalism could not tell or capitalism's alright you know don't worry about it There, there are moments where it feels like he's being sincere but then there are moments where it, it it feels very tongue-in-cheek and very like, oh, aren't isn't life just 
all, all these silly things that, that we do and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, when he talks about... Because, uh, obviously, there's the big one where he talks about how it's like the, 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 the town square is no longer the meeting place of people. Now we meet in shopping malls, and the shopping mall is the, the centre of town. But, and it, but he says it kind of quite passively. He doesn't <laughs> necessarily say it as if it's a bad thing, yeah. but that's something you hear so often as, as like a... Oh well, now everybody just hangs out at the shopping well, mall. Well, the shopping mall is almost the the like the icon of capitalism at its most indulgent. Yeah. So, like, you'd think that if you were going to set something in the shopping mall, um, and you had like some sort of thematic um, ties to capitalism, you think that that's where you would say something good or bad, most likely bad. Uh-huh. But he doesn't really. It feels all very genuine. Th- that's what I mean. Is that by the end of the film, the only thing I, the only thing I really came away with thinking that he was, he didn't like, was the advertisements. Yeah. That seems to kind of be, and he, but even that, it's like he turns it into a kind of music video. But I'm sure if you, you know, broke down the lyrics of the song, there might be something in there. Yeah. Um, but that kind of seemed to be the only only thing that was like glaringly like this is a bad. Thing. But even that is this it like, of consumption? is it just like appropriation of like pop art using that sort of yeah it's kind of even the advertising segment i wouldn't definitively said he was against adverts Mm. i would just say he just he was he liked using the imagery of adverts there's even a bit when they're going around the parade where a lot of people just seem to be holding um pepsi cola but i don't think it's actually it was actually oh really i didn't know it was just like people just holding it almost to the camera as if it was Uh product placement but it didn't feel like it felt it felt deliberately product placement, not as in, hey, here's a product we want to um, put in to make some extra money. Like it was almost showing off, the, like make it a point about product placement. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough to wrap your head. What did you <laughs> kind of? What's your initial coming off this movie? Like, what's your initial kind of thing? Did like, did you enjoy it? Or? I did enjoy it, but I guess I enjoyed it in a really sort of. Um, intrigued sense that I feel the same way. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, there's there's a lot of films that we've kind of watched on this, and I come away from them, and I'm like, I loved it. I loved it. And I feel like that's one of the first ones where I'm like, I I didn't not enjoy it, but I can't say I like. Like I like what you said. I'm I was more kind of just intrigued by it and quite confused and just trying to make sense of the whole thing in my mind, mm. like trying to work out what exactly the film was trying to say the best i could come up with is that it is just i mean the the, the film at the end is a celebration of sp- specialness hmm. i do wonder if he is just trying to do a celebration of the ordinary man or something but then there's all these moments in it that like i've been i've been trying to think about like there's like there's a moment there's the moment when he's in the shopping mall and he sees two kids reading the paper and one of them says, "Oh, uh, what, slave." <clears throat> what was it? It was like, "Oh yeah." Um, what was it? It was like slave labor, or it was like starving slave laborers sell their blood to vampires for for money or something or for food, and they they start laughing hysterically. And David Byrne just smiles and keeps walking. And then there was a scene later on where John Goodman performs his song to a woman that he's on a date with. And she's like, "Oh, you—that's—that's you, that's very sad. I couldn't have that kind of sadness in my life. Like, 
someone who wrote that must be very sad and he kind of sits down and he's like yeah I guess maybe I am sad but then nothing else comes of that it's moment it's like a uh, like a sinister like almost trying to have a sinister undertone I was just trying to work out yeah that's the thing I was trying to work out what he was kind of trying to get at with those moments that don't carry on into the rest of the movie or you know what I mean like hmm it's a very um, having stuff distract you from how sad you is how sad you are is a very Fahrenheit four five one idea, where um, they in Fahrenheit four five one in this novel they go in and they um, they have like these play this like sort of room that's all TVs around them and it shows them all of this stuff and it's supposed to help them forget um, that they are sad people with sad lives and stuff like that. And it's well, the one time a poetry is recited is the one time a character breaks down and cries because yeah. they realize how sad they might be. It's almost like that but without the sort of any character fully realizing it. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's interesting that John Goodman would then have that moment where he realizes he might be a sad person. Mm. But again, then nothing kind of comes from that because he and he has a happy ending yeah in a way like would you say the song is sad would you say it's actually a sad song is the the chorus is not some we don't want justice we don't want freedom we just want someone to love yeah that's kind of sinister in itself isn't it Mm. because you'd say justice and freedom's quite noble things to want and quite but I guess on a personal level we just want someone to love yeah Annie. but is that maybe like in relation to the newspaper with the um, uh, slave laborers I mean I don't know if that's supposed to just been is that supposed to be an article that's I assume it, it's an article that they're reading and then they think it's hilarious like the concept of it is hilarious with vampires but I mean that the thing is, is the thing surreal. is you're like oh there's vampire but the whole movie in itself yeah. is quite surreal so um, but then maybe that's like is is it that John Goodman's the sad thing about John Goodman is that he's not really focused on society as a as a wide. He's not really worried about the um, over commercialized shopping mall. He's not really what he just wants someone, and that he's not as not worried about the slave laborers. He's not worried about freedom or justice or anything. He's just looking for this specific someone like he's not worried about the bigger picture yeah it's very personal and almost like someone to distract him especially because in the end he gets married to the woman who spends her life in bed she's quote so rich she doesn't have to get out of bed yeah that's her thing so she's kind of he kind of ends up marrying almost the um the indulgent side of Mm. like that sort of society because you'd imagine that that's the ultimate uh indulgence of being at the peak point of um capitalism is that uh you are so rich you don't even have to get out of bed that's that's how little you have to do uh, and he marries into that the most indulgent part yeah so is it maybe a sad story in the end i think it might be but with like happy stuff to distract you from the fact it's sad that actually might be like the perfect way of looking at it yeah it's a it's a sad story with happy stuff to distract you mm. from it being the sad because you story. do you don't you don't there's never a point where you. That you there yeah there isn't a point where you're kind of you're kind of uh, like where you're indulge in that sadness. It's constantly like very yeah. flashy and happy and or a bit strange and a bit kind of wacky and like. It's yeah and maybe because it's kind of almost the weird cut. 
he sings the song and the woman in the bed watches it at home on her TV and he gets a phone call straight after the song and, and then, then the next cuts. scene yeah it's hard smash cut. cuts they're in bed and they're married they're me- they're not just in bed and married they're, they're, they're having bed. the wedding they're in bed yeah in bed very <laughs> which John that's Lennon the Yoko dream thing. let's be real <laughs> and it's almost weird because like in the scene where they meet um the lack of her understanding the song would almost say that there's they don't have a quite connection mm-hmm. but then she marries him because of the song being performed later yeah. so maybe i'm misreading that part no i think you might be onto something i think that is like a quite a good interpretation of it at the very least um there was something i was thinking about when we were watching it which is um there's a scene where he they are driving past some metal sheds and david burns doing his sort of piece to camera hmm. and he says metal houses uh this was the dream of the past they just didn't know it um, and now they're everywhere and they're easy to put up. I like that there's a specific thing he says, you don't need architects. Yeah. And architects is very associated with, especially in Renaissance paintings mm. and stuff, as art. Yeah. So there's almost like a, if you don't need an architect, you don't need art mm. in this sort of industrial metal mm. houses. But um, th- there was something I was thinking about with that kind of statement of like, you know, this was the dream of the, of, you know, the past. They just didn't know it yet. I was thinking a lot about the John Goodman's character makes a video, a video message thing uh, trying to find a wife. And I don't know how popular something like video dating or like anything like that was in, you know, 1986. <clears throat> but I was thinking about now where it's almost becoming like rarer and rarer for <laughs> like couples to meet in public almost. Yeah. It's Or like meet you know randomly authentically like, because a lot of things are done online now like you got like fucking all kinds of tinder and okay cupid and i don't know any of that bumble <laughs> bumble sounds like one like <clears throat> it kind of made me think a bit about that where it's like almost again it's like they the, the, something that he mentions is now a huge is now a huge thing the mm. same way that back then you know and it's weird that like when you talk about stuff like tinder and all of that is that you're not far off of what john goodman's doing where he literally advertises mm. himself you're on in that sort of uh, environment you are basing your you have your little profile with your yeah. text and your your image you are advertising yourself in in like a catalog which people can literally just scroll swipe through. scroll yeah. um so it's yeah that's a nice it's a weird connection to like again because like obviously advertising is so very capitalist and uh, stuff so like yeah it's a weird connection that's it almost kind of anno- it annoys me because there was another point that he made that I thought that's very similar to how things are now and I've forgotten what the other one was <laughs> the only <laughs> one I could remember was the dinner which is why we should take notes when we watch these movies yeah um, but yeah I just thought I thought it was I'm not saying that he like predicted that kind of thing. I just thought it was interesting that the film would make that kind of statement and mm. then have something that is now such a huge part of our our day, well, our our lives. You know what I mean? Our life itself. Oh, deep. Can you dig it? Are you a big Talking Heads fan? I like Talking Heads. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I I'd only wouldn't call myself a big fan because mm. if you asked me to, like, to, uh, if you actually quizzed me on it, yeah. I wouldn't know enough to. But like. 
I was gonna say the exact same thing. It's like there's the I was like I I really like the talking heads, but I I feel like I like the talking heads that everybody knows. You yeah, know what I mean, and likes if you know if what if a sort of gatekeeper type person was to come to me and be like, <laughs> well, what's your favorite talking heads album? I'd be like, um, the best of. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this B side? You know, it would. <clears throat> yeah, my yeah, but I do like the talking heads. I like their music, and I like how like how different they were for their time mm. and this film seemed a lot more again and it could all just be a, a, a charade but this film seemed very kind of positive compared to a lot of Talking Heads music yeah but a lot of Talking Heads like there is kind of I think some Talking Heads music like um, uh, I This Must Be The Place um, is a very sad song but sounds quite happy and cheery like from just the melody hmm. and I th- you know there's kind of aspects of the film obviously we just talked about that like there's kind of aspects of the film that are like that and yeah um, have you ever seen you have you ever seen Stop Making Sense the, the concert no, I film I must admit I fucking phenomenal so good Um, you should get on it I will if you have like any interest in the talking heads it's um the director is it Jonathan Demi the director of Sounds of the Lambs Okay. Um, I think that's his name. I could be wrong. Probably am. Um, but it's you, you know the, on the front of the cover of the DVD I have it says it's the Godfather of concert films. I would say that is a pretty accurate statement. It is impressive. They you know the the show starts off and <coughs> it's just David Byrne on the stage with his guitar and he plays the opening song. He plays Psycho Killer and then they start building the set around him as the songs go on and you know more members of the band come on and more instruments and things like that until it becomes every kind of from sort of halfway into it every song then has its almost its own set and its own unique like uh what would you call it like a unique theme okay. a theme maybe unique style aesthetic aesthetic all words we could choose. Not only will I start taking notes, I'll start having just a thesaurus sat here that I could just be like, brr, yes, big words, big fancy words from your big fancy boy. Boy, we're fancy boys here at Second Opinion. Certainly are. We got our $5 words. Yeah, it is a kind of, it's a difficult, this, True Stories is, is like what you were just saying, it's kind of a difficult film to dissect outside of that like you know it's, it's quite hard to dissect in terms of just like a film as an overall yeah um like I've, it's it's really interesting to sit and talk about what the kind of overall theme of the film and stuff is but it's quite a hard one to break down and talk about just as a movie because there isn't really a plot there aren't really you know you have david byrne yeah he is a character but he's not really a character you're watching him and you just think that's David Byrne. It's interesting right. that he's dressed up as a cowboy. Mm. He feels very kind of out of place in that sense. He's walking through almost as a uh, as a more sort of back to a simpler time. Yeah, cowboys often symbolise. <clears throat> but then he says that, doesn't he? He says, I- "I'm, I'm, st- what is it? He's like, um, I'm starting to f- suit these clothes quite well. Yeah, they sell them here a lot, but no one else seems to be wearing them." I'm sure that's like Ooh. a that's towards the end of the movie, which again I'm like I I do I feel like almost every line of this movie has there's like something that we're supposed to be getting yeah. from that and like 
fact, like I would almost love to fucking sit down with him and yeah. just be like, can you just tell me like what everything means in this? Like, because I, I would need to know. We need a good video. Like, I feel like it's this. like a work of. I feel like true stories might be a work of pure genius. Yeah, that this is this is we, like... that needs to be dissected. Like, it can't just be enjoyed on that kind of first watch, like surface level. It needs a dissertation. Yeah, it needs a dissertation to really go into. Because there's stuff go... in it to do with. Ma- voodoo magic and stuff at one point yeah. yeah they like turns into he turns they really are covering all aspects of <laughs> of american Culture. life for you yeah. they, they, they turn to that like they turn to this sort of alternative like magic and i'm not even sure like it's a weird segment because he it's john goodman goes to this guy for um for magic to support his singing to, mm. to support his act at the end um i think it's to make it um make sure it goes well but you don't it's hard to like describe it as any particular subculture of that sort of mysticism like it doesn't quite feel like perhaps something more of the time asian magic or it doesn't quite feel native american it doesn't quite feel um wicca or Mm. um like cult or devilish or even christian um it doesn't quite feel like any of them it just almost vaguely fits mm. most of them, which is kind of strange. It is. There's and there was also the <clears throat> the character, the the very sort of southern drawl woman who kept taking credit for lots of things. Yeah, that was an interesting character. And again, I trying really hard throughout the whole movie to work out like what what's he getting at with this character. There's a character in the movie who. <clears throat> Uh, is one of, I, I, maybe I mean it's maybe it's that we all know a person like this yeah. I for one will not say their name but I know a person exactly like that the kind of person who you know at one point they're watching the band on stage and she's like th- this character is like um, oh they keep asking me they keep begging me to be in the band but you know my agent says I can't be involved in anything uh, local or amateur yeah um I feel like, I guess at the end, it, I think maybe he's just going for that. We all, we do all know a person like that. I feel it's like. weird because, like in the beginning, <clears throat> she's in the factory helping make up the circuit boards, and she's all she's talking about. I can't remember. Was what it she Burt Reynolds? About. She said yes. she had an affair with Burt Reynolds. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, and then you get this. Uh, it's weird because she's in a factory, and if she if she has had led this extravagant life, why would she be working? in the factory yeah and it's again going back to i, I keep going back to the word capitalism because i think it, it's something he's trying to he's trying to do something with where it's like he, her she has to elevate her brand as who she are as who she is as a person um by lying and yeah. that's how she elevates like the value of herself even to the point where the stranger segment in the church where she appears, <laughs> appears to take the credit for shooting JFK. That was my favourite scene of the movie. It's such a strange <laughs> Oh, no, actually, that wasn't my favourite scene. My favourite scene, we'll talk about in a minute. But yes. Um, but she, yeah, she, like, that's that's almost how desperate she is to make her brand. Yeah. Like, uh, how she values herself as a human being by um, these sort of the lies of stories. Um that's how desperate she is she'll even take the blame for an assassin like she'll even take the credit for an assassination yeah which again like i said i feel we all know someone like that maybe not you know to that extreme but in some cases like you know 
I I did um I did like her character a lot. Like it was de- it, every time she popped up, I was I was excited. Yeah. I was like, oh, what's like her crazy story going to be this time? <laughs> she, um, she, the JFK one really took the cake. Yeah, that was hilarious. I like she met the real Rambo. She met the real Rambo in the yeah. jungle. She was in <laughs> Vietnam <laughs> when she was a nurse in Vietnam. Yeah, my uh, my favorite scene, probably the most disconnected scene from the rest of the movie. I think you know what one I'm talking about is um the shot of the two lovers in the field and they're walking and they're just they're talking about how in love they are and he's like oh i've i've got this you know this strange feeling in my stomach that i can't describe and she's like well that's a good feeling you know if 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 feeling if being crazy is is feels this good then i don't ever want to be sane or something and then there's a and she goes did you just fart? And then the scene ends, and I was like, "Brilliant, <laughs> Oscar's all right." <laughs> but it's so disconnected from anything else in the movie. Yeah, because they're not characters. It's that just come this back. weird little. I guess. I guess the joke is that he, the the feeling in his stomach is that he's having stomach problems, and I guess he's trying to make some kind of thing of two people being on very different. Yeah, like, or, it seems like they're having the conversation about having very different conversations, or, or at least undermining sentimentality. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, it's 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 oh, fine because we're so in love, it's affecting you biologically, but it turns out just to be a fart. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I really enjoyed that scene, which maybe says a lot about my sense of humor. I thought it was more. I thought it was a you know. A, a, a little bit why can i never think of words danny <laughs> why can i never ever think of words on this podcast it was a very abstract scene it was very out of nowhere and they kind of just walk it's just one shot and it's just long shot of them yeah. just walking randomly in the field it seems to be a lot of walking really randomly in this film yeah <laughs> where they're not walking in like a straight line as a normal person would, but they're kind of waving along this field it's really bizarre mm. but yeah i think overall from what we've pieced together I think I think your reading of it is a really interesting reading, and I do. But I I think you almost I, feel like you have to fight this film to to to, to put a thematic mm. um, element to it. You you feel so you're watching the film and you're like fighting it to try and make some sense of it. Yeah, I do think he is kind of just. I think he does a good job of capturing, almost portraying moments that do happen but putting them in like a very kind of surrealist wacky kind of way hmm. the david byrne kind of way um why is it called true stories i don't know that's an interesting one mm. well maybe because what i was again kind of what i'm getting at is that i like i said i think he does capture real life you know true stories just in quite a surreal over the top kind way. of way and I do think that, I do think he is kind of just, you know, maybe in 1986 when that came out, like, it maybe had more of an impact of him, you know, this kind of potentially like ironic way that he's going like, look at this thing that we do. Isn't this a bit weird? 80s was very Whereas, sort of extravagant, over yeah. the top, um, very commercial, very um, Memphis style was big in, like all of this sort of weird <clears throat> contrasting yeah. patterns. And I feel like he is kind of just, yeah, encouraging people to just take a look at how odd things are, like things around them are. Whereas, you know, now we're, you know, what, 30 years removed from mm. that movie now, you know? Over. Things have changed. Although his check the times, they are... 
becoming quite different. <laughs> David Byrne does wear a checkered shirt that would be very... It's, it's not, not unsimilar to the one you're wearing now. He looks and moves just like Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I kind of surprised and not surprised you've said that at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I hate Sheldon Cooper. Well, you'll be happy that it's cancelled. I, I, well, I don't think it's cancelled. I think they're finishing it. I don't think it's... I don't think they're pulling off the air. I think they've been. I think they're. They've said this next season is the well, last season. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, okay, it's coming off the air. Yeah, I don't know what then. I mean, I, you know, I could be happy, but I don't watch it, so it'll, yeah, it won't change my life. Um, but yeah, um, I do. I thought that was like a really interesting movie. The more we've talked about it now, now that we're done, I feel a lot more excited about it yeah. than when we finished watching it. Yeah, I know. I get you. Like, I feel like there's a yeah. Like, I would be interested in a little while to, like, revisit it and see, taking all this in mind... What what you think of the second time around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be really interested. I guess because it's weird because he's a, he's a musician, not a director. How often has that happened? I don't a know. A musician directing a movie. I mean, it's, I was going to say, like, um, obviously, a, a Donald Glover has directed, a, did a short, mo- a short hmm. film. He... He, it's gonna come out at some point that he's directing a movie, like hundred well, percent. Directed most of Atlanta. Of, yeah, of course, but I think like feature film. Yeah, he's going. It's, for it's that like at some it's point. just around the corner. Like that's gonna be his next uh, endeavor. Um, I get. Yeah, uh, I guess him. Yeah, that would be a good example of a, a musician director. I don't think there's many. I mean, there's so many musicians who went and acted. Um, especially in that era, like David Bowie look, had a big film career. Oh. That labyrinth, that sweet labyrinth, labyrinth. action. Um, I've never seen the man who fell to earth. Neither it's have about, I. That's him about being an alien. Ne- we maybe we should yeah, add that onto the old. You want to add that onto, onto the, old, the list? old list? Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think we should. Be I'd be up for doing the man who fell. I've always wanted to see it. Yeah, I've always wanted to see it. Yeah. Um. Um. That. But like that's again not necessarily. And oh, tell you what, go. For, I can't remember if he directed it. But basically, his ego project, Moonwalker, was Michael Jackson. Of course, yeah. Have you seen Moonwalker? I've not seen Moonwalker. Uh, Moonwalker is an insane film. Really? In the most, almost glorious way. Like, it's it's almost a series of music videos with weird interludes. It's a, I've played the game. The Moonwalker game. <laughs> the Moonwalker game. I did not know that was a game. Uh, yep, it's an arcade game. Um, sorry, I'm getting very distracted by. I'm getting very distracted. I googled musicians who have directed, directed movies. Not a lot of directed ones. Yeah. Uh, I guess movie. But I yeah, we got a lot of things like yeah, David Bowie. Uh, kind of acting, but um, Nick Cave has obviously written. He wrote the Proposition, which is a very very good movie. Um. Bob Dylan, bloody, but it doesn't seem like there's any that are outright like, oh Rob Zombie, oh fucking yeah, yeah. I don't think about Rob Zombie yeah, okay. um I've not liked any of his movies that I've seen no so take from that what you will oh and Madonna did a movie she did that movie didn't she direct a movie with uh she directed the movie about um the the fuck who was the king 
who stepped down from being king and then George had to take over. She wrote the movie, it was called We. Uh, the one fucking George. I watched The Crown and I know history as well. He turned out to be a Nazi. Yeah, what was his name? We, I feel like I sound like such an uneducated delinquent on this <laughs> well, show. I don't, I don't know this one at all. Um, King. No, it doesn't matter. Like, People will know who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we were talking about Moonwalker. Apparently, yeah. Those the Madonna and. Madonna Beatles, and Rob Zombie. They, the Beatles wouldn't have directed their films. No, but then I don't think so. They would have been making films. I guess past the Renaissance, but like I don't know, they would they would have been their passion project. I wonder how involved they were in making mm. their films. I don't know. I know the guy who did Superman two directed a Beatles film, <laughs> but I don't think it was one of their psychedelic ones. I'm pretty sure it was. A, a I've always wanted night. to see Yellow Submarine. I've never seen it. I'm gonna add that to the list. We're just gonna watch all. Mu- this is a now a podcast about <laughs> musicians and movies. Yeah. Or making movies. Uh, musicians who are involved with movies. In some form of the other. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't think... I don't think I have much more to say on the no. topic. Do you, Nanny? No. I would. Re- I think it's worth watching. Oh, definitely. True Stories is worth watching. I I mean, we definitely haven't really spoiled anything because there's not much to spoil. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange film. This is one of the, this is another one of those ones that we've picked where I can't imagine trying to listen to this episode without having seen the movie. Yeah. But I also can't imagine people going out to, to like seeking this out now you know what i mean yeah like on our recommendation but i definitely think it's worth checking out if you have any kind of interest in the talking heads yeah i, I think that's, it's like that's, a, that's yeah. definitely something because that's like why i talking wanted heads. to see it was because i i really like uh david Byrne. yeah if you like talking heads go watch this film just oh. to just to see what's in his head definitely but um that was cool that was a good first bloody episode back back baby we're back baby hopefully i'll be better thing. for the next one yeah, hopefully we'll be both fighting fit. We'll look forward to the wintertime episodes where I start complaining about how cold it is and then get sick a lot. Um, we always love those ones. We always look forward to those ones. Yeah. Um, but until then, yeah. I think we can bloody sign off with our bloody sign off. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Second Opinion. That's Second Opinion with a two. Heard of it? Is that Twitter as well? Yeah, Facebook and We really need to start using Twitter more. Yeah. Because we just use Facebook and that just bounces around in an echo chamber. We need to get out. Market. <laughs> Marketing. We should. Talking about behind the scenes stuff on the podcast. And you've got to be happy with that. Behind the curtains, man. We're the wizards behind the curtains. Yeah, I am a bloody wizard. We, that, that was kind of the point. <laughs> he wasn't a wizard. That was the point, though. Uh, for season three... Enjoy your JK Simmons. Enjoy your JK Simmons. Have a good night, everyone. Bye 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 bye. bye.